Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Margot Brookfield. And I'm Julia Rogers. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life changing Gap Year adventure. So today on the pod, we welcome Maytal Agassi, who spent her gap time on two different gap year programs. One was Eco Israel, and the other was with Carpe Diem Education in East Africa. So these were two very different opportunities, and Julia, you had the opportunity to speak with Maytal. What did you learn about her gap year journey when you when you spoke? Yeah, well, we got connected uh, with Maytal when I was looking for gap year alums who spent time in Israel. And so we ended up connecting, and then I learned that she was, as a bonus, also an alum of a very well-known service learning program, which is Carpe Diem Education. And her experience in Israel uh, was a little bit non-traditional in that it was a farming-based program, almost like a kibbutz. So I guess in some ways, it's almost the most traditional gap year program. I feel like living on a kibbutz is kind of the, you know, ground zero of the whole gap year option. Um, But uh, she also did travel to East Africa for a semester with Carpe um, and got to, you know, work in conservation. She also got to live and work on a farm um, in uh, Tanzania and obviously traveling and living with this cohort of peers um, on both programs. So she really uh, dives into, you know, what she got out of this gap time uh, a couple years hence, because this was a a pre-pandemic gap year. So we hear about these experiences, but also how her gap time influenced her college major and how she's riding the pandemic as a result of having the tools um, at, you know, after her gap time to deal with it. I think that's such an interesting perspective to focus on, which we I don't think we've had much of yet, is students who not only, yes, had their gap experience pre-COVID, but yeah, how that has now translated into dealing with a pandemic and this year um, and the long-term impacts of that gap experience. That's super cool that she's able to speak to that. Yeah, definitely. I remember back to our NCCC episode where, you know, those two students who we spoke with are currently on their gap time. So we got a little bit of a sense of, you know, uh, why they're so grateful to have their gap year this year. But Maytal really talks about, you know, how that maturity and sense of self that she gained on her gap year is helping her through the pandemic, which is really good to know about. Oh my gosh, awesome. And two great programs to feature. So I'm excited to hear more. Great. Well, without further ado, let's get started. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for being here, Maytel. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm really well. So you had quite the gap year experience. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you know, the decision to take a gap year. What was your high school experience like and what made you want a gap year? I went to a arts charter school in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was pretty confident in high school that I would be an art historian or work at an art museum as a curator or in an auction house. Um, You know, if you would have told me that I wanted something else, I would have told you you were crazy and I wouldn't have listened um but um even though I was really really set on what I wanted to do and the path I was going on I decided hey I've you know I've been sitting in a desk for 13 years and I need to like get my my wiggles out and I need to I need to explore something I need to figure out who I really am outside of a, a classroom And the best way to do that seemed to be traveling and, you know, really immersing myself into some sort of different culture and experience. 
Um, my brother, my oldest brother, also went on a gap year, so I kind of knew what they were. I knew it was an option. Um, my parents are both avid travelers, or at least were when they were in their 20s. Um, so I had always grown up hearing about traveling and adventures, and I was ready to have an adventure of my own. Yeah, that's really neat. And it's helpful to have an older sibling who's kind of set the path, you know, for you. Um, what, you know, so how did you go about the planning process and how did you find the programs that you ultimately ended up doing, which we're going to talk about in a minute? So mostly I just used Google. Um, I didn't, you know, know about any of the big websites like overseas.com or programs like you know, Knowles or Outward Bound, or I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I just kind of Googled gap year program. Um, it was pretty important for my parents that I would go to Israel for part of it um, because all of my family is Israeli and they wanted me to, you know, expand my Hebrew and, you know, get to have some quality time with them. And they really, you know, they didn't tell me I had to go, but it was clear that they would be a little bit disappointed if I if I didn't go. Um, and so I wanted something a little bit different. I didn't want the like classic Israel program where you're touring the country um, with a bunch of Americans, mostly from, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, <laughs> New Hampshire. Um, and so I found this super cool program called Eco Israel. Um, I think one thing that really stuck out to me about it, or I guess two things that really stuck out to me about it was one, that it wasn't specifically a gap year program. Um, it's a program for anyone between the ages of 18 and 30 to get their permaculture design certification. Um, and then also it stuck out to me that it, you know, felt a lot like a kibbutz in the olden days of Israel, which is like a small socialist um, agricultural community. Um, that is where my, my dad grew up in Israel. Um, so it felt like I was getting the good parts of Israel that I was like seeking and searching for and wanting to like experience more of like where my, my family specifically came from without actually, um, feeling like a complete tourist, um, and an American just, you know, in this country. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that there is something um, really cool about the, you know, a place based program where you're really immersed in learning and the atmosphere and that kind of thing. So did so I mean, one thing that, you know, listeners might not realize is that there are so many different programs in Israel, you know, everything from like yeah, you said, religious based programs, them. urban programs, rural programs. So did you use um, the Masa da database to find eco Israel? Um, because that is you know, one way that I think a lot of people look for um, Israel-based gap year programs. Yes, I did use Masa. Um, it was, you know, it's extremely helpful um, because it's also more subsidized and a lot cheaper than, you know, most of the programs in the U.S. are the programs that are run out of the U.S. So I got to have my, like, cheaper side of the semester, and then that allowed me to be able to do the rest of my um, gap year in East Africa. Right. And that was a program called Carpe Diem International or Carpe Diem Education. And we'll, yes. uh, I want to definitely talk about that as well. So um, 
the Masa grant, can you talk a little bit about that for listeners who don't realize that they might be eligible to actually get money to go to Israel for their gap year? <laughs> yeah, so it's basically, it's pretty similar to the program birth rate, which, you know, every Jewish American, maybe even every Jew worldwide, um, is allowed to go to Israel for 10 days on a free trip. Um, that is the umbrella organization of that is called Massah, and it is hugely funded by so many um, large organizations. Um, and so basically, if you plead your case, if you say like, hey, I want to have a meaningful experience in Israel, they will almost always give you some sort of money, if not um, help you find a program that is more affordable for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's wonderful that you were able to access that. Um, so what what was the day-to-day life like at the Eco-Israel program? What were you doing and who, what was your cohort of other participants like? So the cohort was awesome. I'm so close with a lot of them still um, and talk to them almost daily. Um, they were... I guess like half of the group was on a gap year before college and half of the group was post-college. The post-college section of the group was more looking for, you know, the rigid, the rigidity of the permaculture design course and like really connecting to the land and immersing themselves in like a vegan zero waste community. Um, the gap year students were, you know, wanting to spend time outside and build community. Um, and that was like kind of our divide going into it. And then, you know, a few weeks in, we were all ridiculously close and, you know, seeking kind of the same things of just like being outside and embracing whatever um, the farm had to had to give us and to teach us. Mm. Um, what were what were some of those skills that you feel that you learned? So from like a very very basic level, um, I can build a a basic garden. Um, I can grow some of my own food. I, you know, really understand a compost pile and how like the waste stream works um, in terms of agriculture. Um, on a larger scheme, I under, I understand and I, I know like what permaculture is, which is on paper, a agricultural system that mimics nature to create the most ecologically beneficial and not only sustainable, but regenerative practices. But also, it is so much more than an agricultural system. It's in some ways like a spiritual path and, you know, this journey towards like inner self and exploration and connectivity with both the earth and community and who you are as like a human. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that I mean Sorry, I feel like that was a big No, a big I thing. I think it really I mean it's really true. I think the closer that you can get to where your food comes from, 
the more that you can see the cycle of human community and how it all ties together with with nature. So that's it's and I think that in our day to day lives in most areas of society, like you don't get that. You don't get to see it. So or live it, you know, so that's yeah. really cool. Um, what were, you know, that sounds like it was probably like a zero to 60 kind of like change or shift. What, what was the adjustment like? I mean, it sounds like you really got along with the people and clicked with your cohort. What were like, what about like the daily life or like the, any of the challenges of just learning how to live a different way? I grew up in a very like food conscious household. Both of my parents are chefs and own restaurants and I grew up kind of around farms, but it was never my thing. You know, I would go and I would pick the tomatoes in the summer, but everything else wasn't that exciting for me. And I was definitely a meat eater before, um, but the farm was vegan. And so the day I left, I decided, hey, I might as well go vegetarian to make it a little bit easier so that when I'm on the farm, I'm not going to be you know, wanting a hamburger or, you know, a piece of chicken or whatever. Um, So that was a pretty big transition for me. Um, And I said, you know, I'm going to do it for a year. I'll do it for the whole gap year. And then when the gap year is over, I'll reevaluate and I'll decide if I should keep doing it. If I decide to keep doing it, awesome. If I decide not to, awesome. Um, So that was a pretty big transition and a year passed and I definitely stayed with it and you know it's almost it's a little bit past three years I think since I left and now I'm almost vegan um Mm. so that was like a huge transition but also a really awesome transition um I would say a big other part of it was that prior to being on the farm I never would have considered myself to be an environmentalist Mm. Um, I was totally outdoorsy. I loved camping. I loved, you know, spending the night looking at the stars or sitting around a campfire. Um, but I wasn't the kind of person who would outwardly advocate for, for the environment and change my lifestyle to benefit, um, the climate. Um, and the farm completely changed that. Um, a few weeks into living on the farm, I changed my major for when I would go back to school from art history to environmental studies. Um, and really it's like, I owe so much to eco Israel and the space that it provided and the immense passion, um, for the environment and advocacy and the waste stream that it gave me. Yeah. Um, that's so neat. And so then you, you came home from Eco Israel and then you transitioned to Carpe Diem in East Africa. So that's a three month long program where you're traveling again with a different cohort and doing a bunch of different types of service learning. So how was that experience for you? And what were some of the highlights of that trip? So it was a little bit weird to go from one community to the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely had some, some nerves about that, and especially because two of my best friends were staying on the farm in Israel, and, you know, part of me was a little bit jealous of them. But also, I was really excited to explore a new place. You know, Israel was exciting and fascinating 
in that the farm itself was exciting and fascinating. And I did totally get some like awesome experiences with my family, but it didn't feel like the biggest adventure, you know, mm-hmm. and, and East Africa really did that for me. It, it made me excited and made me feel like I had, you know, no knowledge in the best way possible. Um, and it just made me really excited to learn and to experience new places and just be so detached from everything that I knew. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, I spent my gap year in Tanzania, so I definitely know what you're talking about. Um, it's definitely just getting around and everything is so different in, in a really cool way. Um, so yeah, what well, I mean, like, so, you, I mean, the program, you know, you do a, a bunch of different things that I guess provide a mix of, you know, embedding in the communities, different communities, doing some sort of some environmental work, some, you know, uh, usually a spiritual retreat. So um, what were some of the projects that you got involved with? The magic of Carpe is the home stays while you're in language school and sorting beans with a family for 10 hours a day without being able to communicate with them, but seemingly having, you know, the most meaningful um, conversations without words and like doing conservation work outside of the national park and helping the community both like elevate their own resources by, we built um, beehive fences to help the human elephant crisis. Um, which was really, really interesting for me. Um, So basically what that is, um, is that a lot of people who become poachers um, live near the national parks where the elephants live and roam. And the elephants completely demolish their farms. And so what we did is we built these beehive fences. And so since elephants have such big ears, they're really, really... Um, aware of sound and so bee, or elephants are terrified of bees which mm. is so interesting because you know bees are so little and elephants are so big but so we built these fences and not only did it like help the farmers by protecting their farmland but it also gave them an extra income of um, selling honey and then it also protected the elephants Um, So it was really a lot of cool, interesting experiences like that where, you know, you're helping the environment, you're helping people, but also you're not these, we weren't really, in those instances, at least we weren't interacting with the people that we were helping, um, Mm. which felt really important for me as, you know, I didn't want to be this American white person coming into this country, coming into these communities and being you know that white savior because you know that's not what the goal is that's not like I don't have any knowledge that these people have of you know their land that they've lived on forever and for centuries Um, so it was really important that in those exact instances you know we weren't seen we were just the behind the scenes we were helping a organization that works with the community that's been a part of the community for years and years and years and that these people specifically have asked for a solution and we were there to meet their needs rather than, you know, figure something out on our own and, you know, build something or paint something or do do something that seemed less intentional and less purposeful. 
I love that you use the term white savior because I think that that is something that we all strive to avoid um, when when interacting with, uh, you know, when when moving into a culture that isn't our own, right? And I mm-hmm. love that you were engaging in these community directed projects. Um, and isn't it cool when there is that kind of uh, problem solving that takes place where where it's like a twofer? You know, you're like, let's protect the elephants and create more income for these farmers that then will allow them to not have the incentive to harm the elephants. Um, so, yeah, that's a it's a pretty beautiful thing when that can happen. I love that. Um, did you did you also spend time at um, Ohana Amani in outside in Jombe? Yes, I absolutely loved Ohana Amani and Curry so much. Um, Curry's sister, I can't remember her name right now. She wasn't sadly wasn't there. Um, while we were there but um, that space meant the world to me after you know living on the farm in Israel it gave me like a a lot of it made me feel very grounded Um, Mm. you know going back to a farm and permaculture and you know eating vegetables for the first time in so long Um, and having like deep spiritual um, conversations that, you know, we weren't having every day that I was having, you know, every day while living on the farm in Israel. So Mm. it kind of, my time on Ohana Amani was definitely the connection um, from my time in Israel to like kind of bring that to to the space that I was in in East Africa with Carpenter. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's really cool. I think it's it's super neat when you can see the same thing in different contexts on a gap year, whether that's like learning multiple languages or seeing like or cooking in different places or whatever it is. But to see like farming practices in Israel and then farming like, you know, obviously it's a it's same kind of idea of being a permaculture farm, but it's just like these two completely different environments, right, where you're implementing different practices and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's super neat. So, um, and then you kind of bookended your gap year with working at, at a summer camp as well. So you had these um, very different experiences of working, traveling, both um, an immersive experience in Israel and then a kind of a more bopping around travel-based experience in East Africa. So, you know, when you think back on your gap year, especially a few years hence, um, what are some of your now that you have that perspective of being a few years removed, what do you feel like were the biggest takeaways for you? Hmm. Good question. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway of all is the power of connection, um, both in terms of friendships, but also in terms of spaces and in terms of what seemingly could be the random people that you meet along the way. Um, I've tried really hard to maintain relationships with different people that I've met. Um, You know, you mentioned Ohana Amani. I've kept in touch with Curry and I've kept in touch with different people at Carpe Diem and, Mm. and East Africa and, you know, it feels like my gap year was a portal almost to, Mm. to both where I am now and where I'm going and 
everyone that I met and all of the connections that I made on the gap year are totally still a part of me and not only like a part of me in a broad sense, but like a part of me in like very much an everyday sense. Um, from talking to people to the way that I live and the lessons that I learned on the gap year um, that stick with me and, you know, dictate how I live my life now. Mm. And, you know, what about the, you know, it seems like you almost like fast tracked some learning on your gap year by kind of discovering a little bit more about what you wanted to study, like knowing like a few months into your gap year that you wanted to completely change your major. What, what do you think, how would that, have changed if you had not taken a gap year? Like how long would it have taken you to figure out that maybe, or maybe you would, you maybe you would be an art major right now. Who knows? But like, how do you feel like that shift could have happened or was it inevitable or would you still be on a different track if you hadn't taken a gap year? Hmm. Wow. Um, I like to think that I would have figured it out, but I think it would have been a lot harder. Um, Mm. everything that I've done, like I've gone on, a lot of adventures and I'm very um, adamant on, you know, living your life to the fullest, no matter what, every day. And and a lot of that comes from, from the gap year and the, like, just like the beauty of adventure that I felt. Mm. Um, But I don't, I don't know how much I would have found that if, if it wasn't for the gap year, at least so soon, you know, I'm sure I would have eventually studied abroad. Not that I know if I'm actually going to be able to now because of COVID, but, um, I like to think I would have figured it out, but it definitely would have been a lot further down the road. Right. Um, you know, and one thing that you probably know as someone who's, you know, on the other side of their gap time is that it, it can be a little bit of a daunting decision. You maybe, maybe you felt like that when you were deciding to take one, even though you had your brother as like a, a little bit of a roadmap of at least knowing somebody who's taken one, it's still not very common. So what, what do you tell people about your gap time or, or have you managed to like convince other people that were younger than you to take a gap year based on your experience? Yeah, I have convinced a handful of people in ever growing <laughs> list um, of people to take a gap year. I really think it is the best decision I have made and maybe ever will make. What do you, th- what's your pitch? Like, what do you tell people to get them over to your, to, to l- the light side, let's call it the opposite of the dark side. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I say and the biggest thing that I feel about it is that really You know, you sit in your desk for 13 years in high school and in elementary school and middle school. And, you know, in the summers, at least I went to summer camp, not diminishing summer camp. I'm also a huge fan of that. Um, But how could I really know who I was after sitting at a desk Mm -hmm. and listening to others? And, you know, where's the time when, when I can figure out things and do things and experience the world and how can I care really deeply about things without experiencing them on my own? And for me, it felt like if I was going to go to college, I was going to sit down for another four years and have life pass by. And, you know, I wanted to not have life start after college. I was ready for it to happen right now. I was ready for it to happen, you know, five years before six, seven, eight, ten. 10. 
it just felt like I was a part of this like deeply broken system that <laughs> you know like I needed to mix things up I needed to make things exciting and life like seems like seemed like it just like didn't have enough purpose even though everyone was following the same path mm. you know one other question I have it's a somewhat related is how did or and how or if did what you experienced on your gap year like help you ride this wave of the pandemic because obviously you had your ups and downs on your gap time or maybe the fact that you got those wiggles out like you said has made it easier to like stay put and have to deal with all this stuff like is there anything about your gap year that has made this period of time easier yes absolutely um so at the beginning of the pandemic i left colorado where i go to school i went home um i was you know miserable unhappy you know just as everyone was at the beginning just like feeling really lost and purposeless and i said okay i need to figure out a way to get a job be covid conscious and you know not live in my parents home um and so I decided to work on a trail crew. Um, and so I lived outside for 10 weeks in my tent. Um, and I never would have, one, taken the risk of doing something both so seemingly random and immersive um, if it wasn't for the gap year. And then after that, I was supposed to go abroad. Um, clearly that got canceled. Mm. Um, and, you know, I decided I don't need to go back to school right now. Um, so I took last semester off and I, for the majority of it, did a cross country national park road trip with both of my brothers. What? Um, That's so cool. Yeah, it was incredible. And you know, it brought back the adventure while also not really interacting with any humans and being like totally COVID aware. Um, and yeah, none of this I think would have happened if it wasn't for the lessons I learned on my gap year and how comfortable um, being outside and, you know, my path was already unconventional so I didn't really care that I was making it even more unconventional I love that that's such a great way that's that's the perfect note to end on I think Maytel um unless you have any other last pieces of advice for people who are considering a gap year do it. it it'll be the best decision of your life and if you're scared of something then that is all the reason why you should do it thank you so much um, so for listeners out there, you can find Eco Israel at eco-israel.org and Carpe Diem at carpediemeducation.org. Now, uh, you can also find Gap Year Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Year Radio or online at gapyearradiopodcast.com. Margot and I also welcome you to email us with your Gap Year questions or comments at gapyearradio at gmail.com. And if you have any planning questions, you're also welcome to send us a voice memo that we might play on the show on an upcoming episode. 
So, Maytal, one thing that we always end the episodes on is uh, we we try to close out in a foreign language. So uh, you've, I guess, encountered several now over the past couple of years. So what what what's your choice of language you'd like to take us out on? <laughs> Swahili. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, there was one phrase that really stuck with me. I say it all the time. Uh, Safari and Gemma. It means mm. have a safe journey. Safari and Gemma. Badai. <laughs> exactly. Badai. Yes. All right. Asante sana. <laughs> mm-hmm.